Welcome to The Contemplative Life. Three pastors, friends, and spiritual companions help us explore spirituality through a contemplative lens. I'm Christina Roberts. I'm Chris Roberts. I'm Christina Kaiser. We're glad you joined us. Hello, it's great to be with you. Today, we're going to be talking about vocational discernment. And this is an area I run across often with people who I companion. And I started to think, well, maybe it has to do with stage of life, but it seems like uh, people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, it doesn't necessarily matter chronologically where we land. I think that often we reach a point where we're curious if there's more to our vocation or how we're contributing and making an impact to the world around us. And I find that these conversations tend to be vulnerable on many levels. Sometimes admitting that you aren't super happy at your work can make one feel ungrateful or selfish. I think especially in light of COVID, we should be thankful to have a job. Um, We can feel entitled if we're asking these questions. But personally, I see discontentment or feeling like there might be something more vocationally as beautiful invitations from the divine to explore our hearts on a deeper level. So today we want to talk about how contemplative spirituality can help us navigate what to quote unquote do with our lives. Yeah, I I really enjoy talking about things like this. Um, I find myself sort of in the middle of what you're describing, Christina. And, you know, I've read some helpful books recently. and I guess some thoughts that I have on it are like, I think when a lot of people are entering into the workforce, you know, the the thing that they're thinking about is maybe what can I do that would provide security for my family? Uh, what work can I actually do in the world? What did I go to school for? And uh, I think this notion of like your calling or you know the thing that 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 you specifically can do in the world might not arise to the surface when one is entering into the workforce and so you know i've um, read books and i hear a lot of people quite dissatisfied with with their life and what they actually are doing in the world and uh, one book that I read recently uh, by Richard Rohr, which is Falling Upward, you know, it talks about Odysseus's journey. And at one point in his journey, you know, he's a seafarer. He had, he's he's on the ocean. He's he's going to different places. He's uh, he's at war, and he finds himself in a different place. And in this place, there there is no water, and but he's still carrying his oar. And so what had served him in one season of life ended up serving him in another season of life just with a different function. So, you know, his oar became a a winnowing plow. And I think that's what I think about. It's like, okay, what, what has my past been and how can my past be beneficial and useful in the future? Because I don't think anything is a waste. I think all of life is useful and beneficial and i think a lot of people's question is have i wasted have i wasted my time have i wasted my life and so that's a that's a helpful image for me right like the things that we carry into the future the things that have been a part of our past actually can be a part of our future and so that's something that i think comes up for me as as we talk about this idea of vocation is how do i how do i then discover my calling 
Um, and the reasons why I entered into the workforce, uh, what, what, what needs to change in me to, to move forward in my life. Gosh, as you guys talk, there's so many ideas just running through my head. It's crazy. Uh, yes, I like this idea of pulling what is something that I had in my past and how can I transform it and use it. Um, even, Christina, as you were talking about, oh, we can feel ashamed. Uh, I think another one that I felt is embarrassed if suddenly I think, oh, my gosh, I need to... I need to make a change here. And then I also worry about how that impacts everybody else. Like, what are they gonna think about this change? And what about the investment that someone put in me? So it can bring up a whole lot of emotional turmoil for me, which is funny. I was talking with somebody recently sharing my story and they said, oh wow, what amazing freedom you've had just to make these changes in your life. I have not ever thought of it as a free moment. <laughs> like, how beautiful that it comes off as freedom uh, all these times later. But in any of those moments, it was like with fear and trembling. Uh, because, you know, I started on an opera career. I was going to become an opera singer. And people will often say, like, how did you end up in pastor? You'll say, well, we had this idea that maybe we wanted to do ministry, but we had been counseled to go out and have normal jobs. And normal for me was becoming an opera singer. Uh, but it didn't quite scratch the itch. But like Chris is saying, there was something there that was transferable into my work now. There was something that I could use. And we actually talk about this a lot with our kids. Like Whatever skill they're honing right now, they can use that in other places. But that very first switch came as someone was asking, where do you get your security, meaning, and greatness from? And I had realized, oh my gosh, I've just put all my investment into this education, right? Like I, I felt like if I was spending all this money, then I've got to embody this thing that I'm spending all this money on. And I woke up one day and I was like, Dom, I can't, I can't do it this way. And we were mid-20s and 7 a.m. was very early to have that conversation. So he was like, to right now? Can we do this later? Uh, but that was the first moment in my life, in my mid-20s, that I said, I'm not sure if this is quite it. I think I might have to adjust. And now I have to figure out how to adjust. Chris, I appreciate your story and how at one point there was no more water. And so you're there with the oars, but the water's gone. And I think that that is the reality for many of us, that we have the oars, we have the tools, we have the the location even, um, but, but that leaves us. And so I remember on a personal note, probably one of these vocational shifts came for me maybe eight years ago or so, where I was sort of okay with my job, but there were parts of it that that was like this, something's a little bit off. And there was a book that Christina, I know you're familiar with as well, The Great Work of Your Life. And there was something about that book and the fresh language of it that really resonated with me. And he talks about this idea of Dharma, which I had never heard before, except maybe from a TV show where they talked about Dharma. But he was talking about how sometimes we can be close to our calling, 
but not quite there. So someone that maybe, to your point, Christina, like they have a desire to be an opera singer. That's their where they light up and find joy. And instead, they're maybe directing a choir. And so you're close to music, but you're not quite doing the thing that really lights you up and how that can actually be more frustrating to be close to your dharma, but not doing it versus something that is totally different than, than, than what you're doing. And there was something about that that resonated with me and, and um, kind of going into this vocation discernment of, well, what are the things that, you know, if I really reflect on all the work, does it mean I have to completely quit everything and, you know, start a new path and career? Maybe for some people that is the reality and there's a tipping point that you reach. But I think for many of us, sometimes having those micro adjustments of these aspects of my work, I really enjoy these. I don't know. There's something about this that's a little off. Are there ways that I can make micro adjustments to get closer to hitting that mark more more securely. And I think even to your point about freedom, I completely recognize there's a lot of privilege that comes to that with that and that that isn't everybody's story necessarily. Um, but at least in my life, inviting God into those moments has been really helpful. And going back earlier, it is vulnerable. It's scary. There's a lot of emotions involved in that of admitting, especially if you know, you're not miserable at your job. If you're sort of neutral at your job or there's parts that you like, it can feel like, well, gosh, am I throwing all of this away to try to pursue this thing that I don't know if it's really going to manifest and real or not? It's definitely, um, you know, those key moments where I think contemplative practices, to your point, Christina, talking to others, processing through seems to be really important. I like the idea that you're talking about, you know, Dharma or I've heard zones of genius or or, or uh, other ideas where people are doing the things that, you know, they're uniquely gifted to do in the world. Um, and it sounds great, but, you know, like one person is like, he, he does 90, 90% of what he uniquely can do. And, you know, he's reached his dharma or, or his zone of genius. And I think, man, is my zone of genius laundry, you know? <laughs> Do yeah, like what would it? What would my life look like if I was just doing ninety percent of the things that I enjoyed that were life giving to me? And uh, I know everyone's story is different, and it's a bit humorous that uh, you know maybe I could open a laundry service and that could that could then be my that my zone of genius. I doubt it, but I think there's also something to learn in the laundry. That, that being contemplative can teach you, right? I think some people get to these places of zones of genius um, and, and their journey is their journey. Um, but all of, I think all of our journey, it's, it's being, okay, what am I learning in the midst of the things that I'm doing? And so for me, it's like, you know, how could, I, how could laundry be more, an, an act of love rather than this, you know, my daughter has put something that she wore once for 10 minutes in the laundry and I'm having to wash it again. This, this point of frustration, but what, what can I learn and how can I be loving and how can I turn um, the things that I'm doing into uh, a contemplative moment where I'm actually thinking through the things that I'm doing and how can this be a loving act or, you know, how could this be serving the greater good uh, of my family? And I mean, that's a funny story, but um, I think there's something to uh, learning 
in the spot that you're in or, or growing in the, in, in the spot that you're in. Now, obviously I don't do laundry 90% of the time. Uh, you know, I, I, I do that just a little bit of the time, but just as an example, like what are we learning in life and the things that we are doing and, and what is our attitude towards the things that we're doing? Yes. That comes up a lot for me when doing homework with the children. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I think that book, The Great Work of Your Life, that was in some ways hugely relieving for me in terms of this being a lifelong process because there was, for instance, this question of what is your right-sized dharma? And I recognize that like dharma means many things. Like I've sort of learned over time like dharma has more than one definition, but uh, I had gone to school for opera in America. Probably the goal there is to get a job at the Met, right? Or you'll go on and get your doctorate. And But if you get your doctorate, then you, you, you don't really perform. You, you teach at a college. So there's this whole question of what is one going to do? And I had walked into my adult life with stars, right, like in my eyes. It was all supposed to be really big. And the question of how to make my life big was this more than a decade-long pursuit until I just got so tired of trying to make it big all the time. And I had to start enjoying the days the way that they are, which is sort of maybe, Chris, what you're talking about a little bit. How can I enjoy this day exactly where I am, even with dreams that are yet to come? And this is... I cannot act like I have solved it. That would be so. <laughs> there are still days where I want something more and bigger. But right-sized dharma, even right-sized dharma for this day, like what is the thing for this day? The other thing that was so encouraging to me was this notion of sometimes you are in the middle of your dharma and you haven't named it. So there's this notion of maybe you weren't even aware that you just actually really love what you're doing and it felt kind of nothing maybe like laundry it feels kind of nothing but it turns out you're really good at it and nobody could really do it like you and so it is your thing and that's amazing uh, and I think even Christina to some of the questions I remember one day we were having a conversation and I was like gosh I should have known better I was like well who would enjoy it was some sort of administrative task and you immediately knew someone that would enjoy that task and I thought of course someone enjoys that, and I don't know why I even said that, <laughs> but I don't enjoy it. And so there is this reality of we all make the world go round in different ways. Yeah, and I think as we talk about vocational discernment, I think it's important to name that sometimes there's this pressure that we have to find the one thing that is our calling. And that just feels really stressful, as opposed to, I think, as, as we evolve as human beings, sometimes our interests evolve or our capabilities or capacity evolves. And so I think it's a normal, natural part of life sometimes to, again, have these curious moments, these questions and invitations and stirrings from the divine to maybe explore something new or different. And with that, I think there's um, there's always choice. We can stay and do, you know, and again, there's different values. Like what is more important right now? Sometimes it is security and the paycheck and, you know, there's a lot going on in life right now and this is what I need. And so within that, I'm going to leave 
lean into this this portion of my calling right now, which is stability. And then other times, I think we do have those invitations where um, can you feel, quote, stable enough? Like, what's sort of the minimum that you need to survive? And could there be opportunity for some exploration um, that, that maybe is a little bit riskier? And depending on, again, your life stage or situation, that's going to vary from person to person. But I think there's something... Um, I don't know, honest, authentic about being able to name some of that stuff and ask those questions and to move more towards, Christina, even your point of naming that sometimes we are in our dharma. And it when we when we do that and make those small adjustments or the large tipping points, sometimes it is, I'm quitting this and I'm going back to school to school for X, Y, or Z, or I'm gonna do this new job. Usually that doesn't happen like in one day, right? It, it evolves. And so yeah, I think again, just the the importance of um, allowing the space to be able to name those things, and the Quakers will call it like a holy indifference, where really we just want what God wants, and so we're coming to it not with an indifference of I don't care apathy, but with a really whatever God's will is, I want to be open with that indifference kind of a heart and space. Yeah, and I think you know a, a lot of times what what happens is just shifts. So like people may have received a calling, you know early on in their life and they're doing that but something that uh you know father greg uh boyle said that i really appreciated you know he asked uh, you know why did he become a jesuit um and he said for the hilarity and the propheticness but he said you know i entered the jesuit world because of those reasons but often in life the reasons why you became a part of something will not be the reasons that sustain you so you have to find new reasons and so i you know i just find that encouraging for those that may be in their job uh and and they felt a calling towards it like maybe the reasons why they entered into that um might be drifting and they have to find new reasons to continue on doing that so that's that's another thing that i think that comes up for me yeah, and even as you were talking a little bit about uh, the multiple ways that this can work out, recently I spent some time, I, I was in a workshop about discernment, and there was like these 12 Ignatian steps, and I haven't fully gotten through them. I've been really working slowly, just like one little question, one little portion of a question in each day type thing, uh, which is fine because there's moments that are meant to call you back to like listening for the Holy Spirit to speak or God to speak or however that goes for you. But um, I have recognized in this, the actual job that I'm doing for me is not necessarily as important as how I feel when I'm doing the job, which may well be personality based. I'm, <laughs> I don't know. But that was a really interesting thing for me to notice that I'm not necessarily unhappy with my work, but I do want to feel like I'm contributing and pe like that's a valuable contribution for somebody that that's appreciated in some way. So also an interesting, that's a subtle shift really. Yeah. So for those that are listening, we periodically have what we call vocational deep dive days. And I did one a few months ago online that went really well. And just this week had some feedback from people of how that was sort of a catalyst to get them thinking and just kind of fun to watch, you know, several months later where they're at in the journey. We're going to do another one in the summer. So if you're listening to this in real time, we would love to invite you to, um, we're going to have both an in-person vocational deep dive day as well as a virtual option. So if that's interesting to you, if you feel 
feel like, gosh, yeah, there's just some questions stirring around in me and it would be helpful to talk to another person about that and maybe have some thoughtful questions and ways to kind of navigate that, we invite you to uh, email us at info at thecontemplativelife.net and we can get you some more information about that. So thanks for the conversation, and we're going to transition now into the part of our podcast where we talk about what we're into this week. I am totally into Equal Exchange Lemon Ginger Chocolate. It has been a long time since we had it, and they recently had like a an anniversary sale, and so we ordered like 12 bars, which should take us a good long while. Like I promise we won't eat it all in a second, but when you just, it's, who would think? It's like lemon, ginger, and maybe cracked pepper and it's this just giant wonderful explosion of happiness in the mouth so lemon ginger chocolate from equal exchange well i have been into a poet named lee young lee and there's a specific poem that has really been speaking to me it actually a lot to do with what we've been talking talking about today and the name of the poem is trading for heaven. And I just find it speaks really well to my life, to what we've been talking about today. So I'd like to read uh, a couple of lines of it for you. I saw you holding open the door. Now I'm filling pages with things I can't tell anyone. Now I'm more alone than I've ever been. I traded every beyond, every someday, for heaven in my lifetime. Now I'm dying in my life. Now I'm alive inside my death. Do you see the space between our bodies? Barely a hand, hardly a breath. I really have appreciated some of his poetry um, and I've actually started writing some poetry of my own. I feel a lot like it's a third grader's attempt at poetry, but (laughs) I'm still going to give it my all. So I'm into Lee Young Lee and his poetry. Beautiful. Thank you. Uh, So I am into the podcast, How I Built This with um, Guy Raz. It's an NPR podcast. And I've listened to this for a few years, but it's just stories of different entrepreneurs and their journeys and their failings and their you know, uh, pivots and all of the things. And it's just so inspiring. And so I look forward to every week and they have um, during the podcast, they've been doing a resilience edition of how people have pivoted during the pandemic. And so I thoroughly have been enjoying how I built this NPR with Guy Raz. Well, thanks for joining us today. Um, as always, we invite you to check out the contemplativelife.net for more resources. And also, if you have been enjoying the podcast, we would really appreciate it if you would take a moment to rate or review us on iTunes. Uh, there's something with the algorithms where as people do that, it helps others to find us. So if you've been enjoying it, that would be a great way to give back. Um, on that note, it was great spending some time with you wherever you listen and look forward to seeing you again next week. Take care. Take care.